All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and we want to invite everyone, like we always do uh, at the beginning of our programs, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions about what we're discussing today, then you can put those in the live YouTube channel chat, uh, and we'll be able to monitor that and talk with you about that as the show is going on. Or if you have any questions after we get finished and want to discuss that in the future, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and we'll be able to talk about the things that you want us to talk about in the future. Uh, today, it's just me, uh, Jonathan Sadler, and Scott Smelser. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. Good. We're short Justin uh, this week. He's traveling, so Scott and I are going to uh, do our best to uh, have a nice discussion without Justin, although Justin brings a lot to the table. So, uh, so we're going to move back into the Gospel of Mark for this week. We've been slowly kind of working through Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 10, so we're getting close to the end, uh, at least kind of the final section of Mark. Uh, the final section of Mark really starts in Mark chapter 11. Um, but Jesus has been on his way back towards Jerusalem, and we are going to pick up in Mark 10, verse 32. So I can read that section. This is right after his encounter with the rich young ruler. Go ahead, Scott. Before we do that, I want to put in a plug. If anybody is in the central Pennsylvania area on April First, we're going to have Roger Polanco, uh, and he's going to be speaking of people's encounters with Jesus from the Gospel of John. And it's going to be at 1500 North 2nd Street, uh, Harrisburg, PA, and it's one is at 10, 11, we'll break and go get lunch, and then 2 and 3. should be really good. If anybody's in the area, we'll love to have Great. All right. All right. So, um, so we'll start reading Mark 10, verse 32. Uh, it says, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to, the, to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. All right. Um, this is not the first time that Jesus has told this to his disciples, although this is maybe the most graphic explanation of what Jesus gives and what's going to be happening to him. He's very clear uh, in what he's talking about, and they're right on this kind of doorstep of Jerusalem, on their way going towards Jerusalem. And Jesus starts telling his disciples, here's what's going to happen when we get there. Um, we're going to, I'm going to be killed. Um, but it's not just killed. It's going to be mocked and spit on and flogged and then killed. Um, but he says, after three days, I'm going to rise again. Um, now Mark doesn't give any commentary here, but I think it's in John where Jesus has this conversation that the apostles say, now you're speaking clearly, um, to us, um, maybe right outside of Jerusalem. Uh, now we understand, or maybe that's later on. Yeah, later that's on. later, that's after, right before Judas shows up. With yeah. Him. Yeah. So that's in John 16 or, or somewhere around there. Um, but I mean, Jesus is very clear in his language here, although this would not be easy for the disciples to kind of swallow or, uh, you know, accept that this is going to happen, um, that their master, their their Messiah uh, was going to experience all of this mistreatment. And you can see that with how they respond in just a couple of chapters whenever this starts to actually happen. Um, and I don't know, maybe they figured 
this wouldn't happen based on the scene that we're going to see really shortly in, in Mark chapter 11. When Jesus gets to town, he's kind of like a celebrity uh, whenever he's coming into Jerusalem. doesn't look like in just a few days the, the city's going to turn on him and he's going to be executed. Um, the Gospel of Luke, where the note is added that Jesus told them this was going to be happening. And then he said, and it said that they did not understand and something like this same was he from them or something. So uh, it seems pretty straightforward to hear the words, but in Luke's account, it makes it clear that somehow they were not getting it. Yep, right. So, I mean, that's pretty straightforward what Jesus says. This is all according to God's plan, what's going to be happening to him. What's really fascinating about how Mark tells this story is the next story that he tells. While they're on the road and Jesus has just told them what's going to happen to him, we learn what the, the disciples are doing amongst themselves. Um, so, I don't know, Scott, you want to read that next section? Yeah. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, grant us to sit, one at your right hand, one at your left, in your glory. Now, before we read Jesus' answer, a couple of notations. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, it mentions there was one other person with uh, James and John. Who was that? Yeah, their mother. Yeah, their mom. And also, if you compare the list of women who go to the tomb afterwards, and if you compare across the synoptics, it looks like in the women they're listed that there's a pretty good chance that the mother of James and John was a relative of Jesus, hmm. like his aunt or something. And so that might have contributed, if that's the case, it looks like it is. Uh, it's not 100% sure, but it looks like it's likely the case when you compare those lists of names. Um, and if that's the case, then these would be Jesus's cousin, and she would be Jesus's aunt. And so you can see why they might think I might deserve a leg up, and hey, it's where we're getting caught. I mean, we've been doing this thing for three years, and... Uh, Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 and uh so so that's that's their favor J james and john are asking that they're maybe being represented by their mother uh trying to get a leg up on on jesus we get the response of the other disciples here in just a minute but jesus's answer first is um, almost kind of saying, like, do you understand what you're asking for? <laughs> um, which is actually a common response that Jesus will have to crowds and people that will request something or make it kind of seem like they want something. And Jesus often kind of responds with, are, are you sure you know what you're asking for? <laughs> um, so he says, Jesus says first in verse 38, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Um, so what's Jesus talking about with the, the cup that he's about to drink and the baptism he's about to get? Well, the cup would be like, which says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from you. It's going to be a cup of suffering. In mm -hmm. baptism, he's about, to be, he's about to be immersed in suffering. Mm -hmm. So he says, are you guys able to handle that? But if you 
put yourself in their mind. I mean, you got mom, you know, Jesus, you know, this one little favor, you know, we're not asking for the throne. You know, just got to sit somewhere. It'd be kind of nice if we could be here and here. He says, well, you know, do you think you could handle it? Would you be able to drink from the cup I drink? Mm-hmm. If you're thinking from a worldly standpoint of earthly kingdom, and you've got seats right next to the king, and he's sitting on his throne, he's going to have a pretty nice cup. Yeah. Like a gold cup. And, yeah. you know, wonderful tasting something in it. And could you drink from that? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they really, uh, really missed the point of what Jesus is saying here um, when they say in verse 39, yeah, we're able, we're able to, to drink from that cup. We're able to experience that baptism. And so Jesus t- tells them in verse 39, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism that I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared. Um, so Jesus tells them, you, you are going to experience what I'm going to experience. And it's not probably what James and John are thinking. Um, they're going to start experiencing that in Acts, especially after Jesus is resurrected and and gone back into heaven. They start being kind of experiencing the full force of the, the pushback. Um, and James, it might. James will be the first apostle to be murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. James killed in Acts chapter 12 by King Herod. Um, and so they, they really experience the, the pain and the sorrow and the suffering for God and for his kingdom, what Jesus is about to go through um, here. But then Jesus says, um, to answer their question really directly, um, it's, it's not mine to give the, those positions, um, which I don't know, that may be kind of disappointing uh, for, for James and John. Uh, Jesus just says, no, uh, it's not my... Uh, my place to give those those places next to me. Um, those are going to be for the people that it's already been prepared for. Uh, it doesn't really give a whole lot of explanation about that. But then you see what the other disciples are doing in the background in verse 41. When the when the ten heard it, they became indignant <laughs> at James and John. Um, maybe they wished that they would have asked first <laughs> or something like that. It's um, a minivan full of you know ten year old boys and somebody called shotgun. Yeah. 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 So you've got the the 12 apostles just trying to step on each other, trying to get a leg up. It's this picture, this this mentality of I think Scott you tell about one time uh a uh a study that you had once where the the guy had some pet rats and the rats were in the corner and and screeching and crawling over one another trying to get on top of the of the hill or the or the you know platform or whatever pushing each other off. It's like, man, that that must be what we look like. To God when we're trying to one-up one another or get on top of each other. And so Jesus takes some time in, the, in this next section to teach them that mentality of being king of the hill is not how it works in Christ's kingdom. Um, that might be how it works in the world, but that's not how it works in, in Christ's kingdom. So he says in verse 42, uh, Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, really powerful statements that Jesus makes there. I don't know. What, what do you want to say about that, Scott? 
Well, compare it to some other things, uh, military. Um, you don't become a general because you're meek and merciful. Uh, corporate sales. You know, you, you're not the top salesman because you're helping other people, you know, get leads and, and line it up. Uh, and, and a lot of people are used to a very competitive and not just, you know, there's two types of competition. One is where everybody's trying to do a good job and you're working together. Mm-hmm. Like let's, let's say a football team, mm-hmm. uh, the center, you know, he's trying to snap the ball well and then keep the defensive line from coming in. The tight ends are trying to get open. The quarterback's trying to find somewhere to pass it to. Everybody's working together. Now, somebody's going to get MVP, you know, at the end, but you're working together. You're not trying to undermine each other. And then there's a type of competition where I'm going to get ahead by pushing somebody else down. And you see that a lot in the Old Testament and the references to social injustice uh, and beyond some of the things that people talk about today, but just really unfair treatment of people, just manipulation and abusing of the poor. More than once in scripture, we'll read about rich people not paying the people that they hire to do the labor. Uh, and if, if you bring that type of thinking to Christ, uh, it, it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I think is is really impressive about what Jesus says, because he, he kind of compares how the world operates versus how it, it's going to be among his people. The world might exercise and lord their authority over one another, but that's not how it is. It, it's backwards. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to be a servant and a slave of all. And what he says at the very end of it really kind of puts the exclamation mark on that where he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. Even Jesus himself, the creator of the universe, didn't come to earth to be served. He came to serve. And it's like, whoa, (laughs) like this is kind of the moment in Mark because Mark doesn't mention the story, but it's kind of the moment of like Jesus washing the disciples feet. Um, What he does in John 13, that statement is really kind of the same idea of you guys are all trying to be great and powerful and, and, you know, prestigious and well-known or be the top dog. Um, But do you understand what I'm doing? Like you call me Lord and master and that's right. That's what I am but I just got down and washed your feet. <laughs> what, what should you do for each other? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what right do you have of, you know, exercising your own authority if Jesus didn't even do that? He, he came to serve people. So. I like the statement there in John 13 where Jesus, after he's washed their feet, so he's been down on the ground washing their feet. And he says, you call me master. That's right. And then he says, the disciple cannot be above the master. Mm-hmm. And they've been looking down at Jesus being on the floor, washing their feet. And then you can't be above me. So we we have to 
lower ourselves. It, it's a very reverse thinking. Mm-hmm. The beauty of it is, and in the paradoxes of Jesus, humble yourself and you will be exalted. Yeah, mm-hmm. exalt yourself and you're going to be humbled. Humbled. And you know, you see that a lot, uh, whether it's in the business world or the political world or sometimes in the military, somebody that's really puffing themselves up mm-hmm. ends up pretty embarrassing for them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, but there's great satisfaction. And one of the easiest ways to see it is this. The most selfish people that you know are not the happiest people that you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not the most respected people that you know. The people that you most respect and they're happy people, and you really respect them. Those are not selfish takers; those are givers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I talk about this sometimes, also, like in the in the kind of business world, the bosses that you respect the most, at least that I've respected the most, are the bosses that are willing to get their hands dirty with the employees and and get down and work with them and help them and sacrifice for them. Those kinds of things. Those are the bosses that. That I respect a lot, and that I'd be willing to do almost anything whenever they ask me to do it, um, yeah. because I know that they would do the same thing. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that makes following Jesus, I think, um, uh, really—I don't know if "easy" is the yeah. right word, but easier, because Jesus does all of the things that He requests His people to do: deny mm-hmm. themselves, you know, leave their father and mother if they need to, or or whatever. Um, put seek first the kingdom of God. All those commands that he he instructs people to do, he does that. He's not asking you to do something he's not willing to do, um, which is really powerful yeah. and motivating. Yeah, uh, and think about that. Um, like if you've got a boss who, let's say, it's a small business, it's done well, it's grown. The guy that started it started off at the bottom, did real well, built a business, ended up running it. But now, say the grandson has the company. Mm-hmm. Say he doesn't know anything about the 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 gritty, sweaty, hard labor end of it. He just you know drives around in the Porsche. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's you know sick or or has to go to the ER or something, he can't step in and do the job because he doesn't know, and he's probably not going to be very respected by workers mm-hmm. but like you said the guy that knows how to do it and he also knows how to run the company mm-hmm. he knows how to take the risk he knows how to invest the money he knows how to do the long 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 hours to get the company where it was and then if somebody can't make it that day he can jump in and he can do the job really really well and all the workers can see that you realize He's really good at what we do, plus he can do the other. So Jesus doesn't just stay up in heaven and say, here's what you guys ought to do. He he lowers himself, takes on the servant, humbles himself, and goes through temptations that he also faces. Yep. Yep. Cool. So totally backwards way of thinking, but really, if you you think about it, it makes sense. Uh, We even understand that in our in our carnal, you know, mindsets and, and situations. Um, so um, after that, they get close to Jerusalem, but they're not quite in Jerusalem yet. They take a, a stop in Jericho. 
um, which is a little bit southeast of Jerusalem. Uh, meet an interesting man that's there. So I'll read this next story. In verse 46 of Mark 10, it says, They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he his sight was recovered, and he followed him on the way. Uh, so, we got Bartimaeus here, uh, not the first blind man that Jesus heals, uh, one, one of many, but he stands out uh, in a couple of different ways. What what stands out to you about Bartimaeus and his interaction with Jesus? Uh, your mic is muted, Scott. <clears throat> uh, that's all right while you look for that i'll tell you what stands out uh about uh him to me uh one thing is whenever the people are are or when jesus is walking by he realizes that jesus is there and he starts calling out and the people tell him to stop um but the words that mark uses to describe what bartimaeus does is like all the more, he keeps crying out. Many people are rebuking him, but he's just crying out all the more. Whenever he gets the opportunity to come to Jesus, the, the ESV says that he threw off his cloak and sprang up and came to Jesus. Like he's quickly um, kind of almost excited to, to get there. This is a guy that seems like he's not going to let anything get in the way of him coming to Jesus. It doesn't matter if people are kind of discouraging him to do that or whenever he gets the opportunity, he, he springs on that immediately. It's a really good example of motivation and and kind of zeal for getting close to Jesus, even whenever people are pushing you away from him. Um, and Jesus recognizes that and rewards that um, immediately uh, whenever uh, Bartimaeus has this persistence of trying to come to him. Um, it's similar, it reminds me a little bit of what Jesus teaches um, uh, kind of about prayer in Luke chapter 11. Whenever the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray, and Jesus tells the story about the guy that uh, comes in the middle of the night and asks his neighbors for bread, and uh, the neighbor doesn't give him bread because he really cares about him. He gives him bread because of his uh, persistence and that he won't leave him alone. Um, he finally gives it. And Jesus's point with that is like even people give things to people when they're persistent. God gives things to people when they're persistent, when they're, uh, you know, coming to him. And God is a good giver. He's not a, a bad giver or give you, you know, things that will hurt you. Um, and you see that kind of illustrated here in this story. Bartimaeus is very persistent in coming to Jesus, and Jesus rewards that. And after he gets what he wants, he follows Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So cool. Well, that's Mark chapter 10. You have anything else you want to say about that chapter? No. And you know, there might be 
that might be a good place for us to wind up today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will give us a fresh start on the triumphal entry for next time because it starts to get really exciting. Yep. And rather than get partway through that, we could just go short today. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so we'll we'll wrap up right there. We'll pick up in Mark chapter 11 the next time that we're in Mark. Um, wrap up just a few minutes short this week. Uh, so if you have any questions uh, in our audience about what we discussed today in Mark chapter 10 or anything else in the Gospel of Mark or any other topics or questions you'd like us to discuss on BibleQuest, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and we'll be happy to talk about those subjects in the future. Um, and uh, then also, if you like what you are seeing here on this channel and want to help us to reach other people, it would help our channel a lot if you would subscribe to the channel, like the videos, share them with your friends, uh, and then we'll be able to meet, reach more people with this work that we're trying to do. Uh, but that's all that we have for this week, and so we will plan on seeing everyone next week, Lord willing.